everybody. It's Ashley and Bianca. Hello, Bianca. <laughs> Hello. It's Creeper Real. We're here back again with part two of the Black Eyed Children, and we got a really awesome response from people regarding part one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think I think the most we could ever ask for is to scare the shit out of some people. And I think it happened. I think yeah, we did for it. Sure. For sure. There's a, a couple of you out there that were like, I had to turn it off for my, you know, night drive home, whatever it may be. So that kind of made my week whenever I heard that. I felt like I'm maybe I really am a good storyteller. <laughs> yeah, I, I I was really excited. I thought that I think that's like the highest compliment that somebody can give. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty skeptical, as most people know. <laughs> but I'm I'm mm-hmm. pretty skeptical. And even when I was doing the research on this part, I was like, texting you and I was like, Ash, this is gonna be so much creepier like there were cars yeah. driving down the street next like by my house and I was like <laughs> a black eyed kid is rolling up in a car <laughs> you're a nerd <laughs> I did hear a really weird car the other day I was out on the balcony and I was it was nighttime and I heard a car drive by and I don't know maybe it just had something dragging underneath it but like you know it had caught something or its bumper was dragging I don't know but I was like what is that <laughs> And, uh, I, and you know, I think it was Nicole. She was like, I think it was a car. And I was like, or was it some sort of shuttle dropping off black eyed children at the door? You never know. Anyway, I'm like, keep them, keep, the, you never know. And if they, I mean, say you're even on the third store balcony. Maybe that thing could float up and just stare at you right. on the edge of the balcony, right. you know? God. So anyway, uh, let's just get started. So last week we talked about a lot of different accounts of black-eyed children where people's flight or fight response kicked in and they got the fuck out of the presence of the black-eyed kids. So today we're going to start by telling you some first-hand accounts that were either gotten by gotten. Am I coding right now? God damn it. Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to start by telling you some first-hand accounts that David Weatherly got through the interviews he did with people who had experienced them, as well as a few other accounts that are supposedly first-hand accounts. Um, a good deal of those who encounter these black-eyed children and let them in report being plagued with strange mishaps, misfortunes, accidents, and even death after these encounters. And I have to ask, is this due to the black-eyed children projecting some kind of negative energy on them? Is it a curse like some of them think? How exactly would the children even do that? It's, you know, kind of questions that we'll continue to try and flesh out Mm -hmm. here. Uh, Maybe they are simply an omen of the misfortune that's about to fall upon these people. You know, there have been omens throughout history. You know, people say black cats are an omen. An owl was an omen of death. Obviously, we could probably sit here for two hours and talk about different omens but perhaps that's what they are who really knows it does appear that either way about it they set in motion changes in these people's lives whether it's negative or not though mostly it's all negative and um it's also possible this is an example of the power of the mind that these people react so negatively to this encounter with the children that they believe that they were a bad omen or a harbinger of death and destruction and they focus their energy on those thoughts which begins to set in motion these terrible things happen that become a reality 
do these kids transmit some kind of kinetic energy that affects a chain of events in such a way that these people's lives are affected negatively? These are all questions that we're going to explore as we dive into more of the accounts of people who actually interacted with the kids a little more thoroughly than the people who slam the door in their face or run away or drive their car away. And uh, so we're going to start with some stories from good old Bianca that she found in her research. So actually, before I start, I wanted to share a story from somebody who sent us an account of what her husband's coworker experienced their truck drivers um okay so dj from instagram dm'd us and said i'm reading this word for word by the way hi creep it real pod listened to it on my drive home loved it my husband is a truck driver one night he was listening to some podcasts and they were talking about the black-eyed kids another truck driver walked up to him and started telling his story this is probably like one or two a.m We live in Texas, and he works in the middle of nowhere, so it's creepy out there. Anyways, he tells him that he had stopped at a pump to pick up oil, so he hooks up all his equipment and walks back to the truck to get his paperwork. He gets in the truck and hears a tap on the door. He looked out the back window but didn't see anything. It's pitch black out there on the leases, so he goes back to his work. Tap, tap, tap. He looks again, and there's a kid standing at his door. He's in an 18-wheeler, so it freaked him out that a kid was there. Side note, it's one or two in the morning. Of course, I'd be, you'd be freaked. Like, what are you doing? Okay. Yeah, no normal child is out at that. Well, a normal. I mean, you know, a normal situation child is out at that time. (laughs) He said he didn't know what to do. He asked the kid, what do you want? And the kid looked at him with his black eyes and gave him that creepy smile. He said he turned to, I know. (laughs) He said to put the truck in gear. And when he looked back, the kid was gone. It took him 30 minutes to psych himself up to get out of the truck and unhook his stuff. He hauled ass to the nearest town and sat there for a while trying to figure out what the hell he saw. Gross. You know what? I don't like it. I don't think that's the only truck driver story either about an encounter with black eyed kids. I think that I I think I read some. A lot so. of truck driver stories. Yeah. A so. lot. And and it and it just it goes back to the people who have worked and I'll tell you about this story like shift. in a second. But uh, people who have worked long shifts or people mm-hmm. who are um, in high stress situations like the um, corrections officer that we talked about last yeah. week. And yeah, uh, there's like a lot of those situations. Mm-hmm. OK, so here's the first account of somebody having let these little fuckers in. <laughs> these creepy <laughs> little shits. <laughs> So I found this online on Weekend Weird. Okay. Uh, a Weekend Weird. And it's a personal account. The woman that tells the story is unnamed, but it happens on, or it's, the story is from January 28th, 2016. Okay. She wrote in, I live just outside a rural town in Vermont. It's a tight knit community where everyone knows one another and people don't lock their doors at night. There's never been any need to. A little over a year ago, I woke up because I heard a loud banging on my front door. At the time, my husband and I lived in a small home on a dirt road just off the rural route into town. It was the middle of a snowstorm and the nearby hills get very slippery in the snow, so I thought that someone might have been in an accident and broken down. It's happened before. 
When I looked out the window, I could see that our motion spotlight was on, and I could see that there were footprints in the snow that had come from the road and into our driveway, but there was no car anywhere. The snow was still covering the road, and no one had driven on it for at least a couple hours. Our front door was obscured from the window, but I could see that someone was standing there. I wasn't sure what to think, so I woke my husband up just to feel safer. While I was telling him what was going on, the banging on the door started again, and my husband went to answer it while I stood in the hallway. When he opened the door, there were two children standing in the snow looking toward the ground. There were a boy and a girl and could not have been more than eight years old. They were dressed strangely and had odd haircuts. The girl's hair was very long and straight, and the boy had a dated haircut that looked almost like a bowl cut. They weren't dressed for winter, and my first thought was that they must have been Mennonite children, but as far as I know, there was never a large community of Mennonites near us. Hmm. Thinking back on it, I know that my normal reaction to seeing children in a snowstorm would have been to rush them inside and bundle them up with some blankets and hot cocoa, but that's not how this felt. The children were unnerving. They could not make eye contact, and when my husband asked them if everything was okay, they asked if they could come in. My husband looked at me like, what do I do? And I asked the kids where their parents were. They'll be here soon, is all they said. Hmm. It was around 2 o'clock in the morning at this point, so the only reasonable thought in my head was that there must have been an, an accident or these kids got lost. As much as my instincts told me not to bring them inside, I did it anyway. No. <laughs> I went into the kitchen to make them some hot cocoa, while my husband took them into the living room. While I was fixing the kettle, I could hear my husband talking to the kids. He was asking them if they were okay, where they came from, how far they walked, if their parents' car was broken down, things like that. But they always answered, our parents will be here soon. They spoke in a sing-songy voice. They weren't afraid to be in a stranger's home at all. I started to notice that our cats, all four, were hiding, except Pigeon, who was in the kitchen with me. Normally our cats are very curious and friendly and we have to be careful that they don't run out the door when we leave. This time none of them even tried to see who was here, which I thought was very strange. All of the hair on Pigeon's neck was standing up and his tail was puffed up while he looked around the living room. Mm. When I bent down to pick him up and see what was wrong, he hissed and started growling and backed up until he had hid himself under the kitchen island. When I walked back into the living room, the kids were sitting on the couch as still as can be. But my husband was holding his head in his hands. I asked him what was wrong, and he said that he felt very dizzy all of a sudden, but that he was fine. Oh my god, get the fucking kids out of there. <laughs> I turned back to the children to give them their cocoa, but when they looked at me, I gasped. It took everything inside of me not to drop the mugs and run away. When they looked at me, their eyes were completely black. They had no whites, just giant black pupils. Hmm... When they saw that I was scared, they stood up and asked if they could use the bathroom. I tried to be as composed as I could be and showed them down the hall. They went to the bathroom together, and I hurried back to my husband to ask him if he had seen their eyes. He had seen them too and said that it looked like his brother's badly bruised eyes after a car accident. We were in the middle of talking about whose children they could be when my husband's nose started to bleed. He had never had nosebleeds as long as I had known him. I just knew inside myself that this had something to do with the kids in the bathroom and I started crying while I ran to get my husband some tissues. That's when the power went out. Oh my god. I heard my husband yell my name from the living room and as I started to walk back through the hallway I stopped dread in my tracks. The two children were standing at the end of the hallway. They weren't moving and I've never been so scared in my whole life. They just stood there in the dark. 
After what felt like forever, the boy said, our parents are here. And they walked to the door, opened it, and walked out, leaving it wide open. My husband jumped up to go close it and almost fell, fell over. We looked out the window and saw two men standing by a black car idling at the end of our driveway. My what? husband looked like they were wearing black. My husband what? The men looked like. Hold on. <laughs> the men looked like they were wearing black colored suits and were very tall, at least six feet. Aww. When my husband waved at them, they just stared at us, got into the car and drove off. Oh, my gosh. Our power came on about half an hour later, but nothing was the same after that. Over the next few months, three of our cats went missing. We can only oh, no. assume that they ran away somewhere and never came back. But the worst thing was coming home to find Pigeon in a puddle of blood on the living room floor. <gasps> he looked like he had been vomiting blood. The vet told us he had had some kind of hemorrhage. Oh my God. After my husband's nose bleeds came a became a regular occurrence, we went to see the doctor. He didn't know what to make of it other than dry nasal passages, but my husband was diagnosed with an aggressive skin cancer. When the doctor asked us if he used tanning beds, we both thought he was joking, but apparently this kind of melanoma is linked to overuse of indoor tanning. The doctors think he will recover, but don't understand how it got bad so quickly. My husband has never worked an outdoor job and spends relatively little time in the sun. Since we let the black-eyed kids inside our home, I've also suffered from regular dizzy spells and nosebleeds on a regular basis. I've had other issues which I won't mention here, but trust me when I say that I'm suddenly in the worst condition of my life and no one can do anything about it. I know that all of this is because I let the black-eyed children into my home. We've told everyone we could about the strange kids that showed up that night, but no one else saw them and some laugh at how scared we were of the Mennonite kids. But we know what we saw. I wish my husband had never opened the door. Heck yeah! So those, uh... So those, what do you think of those uh, <laughs> figures standing by a door, Ashley? Or by a car? Uh, what's that song? Da, 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 da. <laughs> what's that song? <laughs> I, the only song I can think of is the Men in Black theme song. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah. So that, obviously, when he, when he got the nosebleed, I was like, they're giving off some sort of radiation or something and the cat feels it and then the the uv the exposure skin cancer that sounds like mm -hmm. an encounter with a damn mm -hmm. alien craft or something yeah mm -hmm. yep so yeah. if that's to be believed that brings a lot of questions into my mind because that's just we're gonna get into it how many times do I say it in an episode? But <laughs> there's just too many correlations for me to ignore them. That's what science is, is finding data that correlates to one another and coming up with a hypothesis based off of that data. Yeah. And as much as we can, you know, we can't ever say anything for sure here because we just don't have the science to explain this. But there's there's too many correlations there's too many so hmm. here's the other thing if we did sit here and hypothesize for as long as we'd like to it would take yeah. a damn day like we would be sitting here <laughs> recording for six hours yeah so We're, i mean yeah yeah so i mean and, and we'll talk about a little bit more about it as we go along but let's continue on with some more stories okay 
this one is another story that um, I'm reading. Or I'm going to relay word for word. Okay. And this is an account of somebody who... I'll tell you right now. So this story starts nine months later on October 27th, 2016. Um, and that's nine months from this previous story that I just told about this lady in okay. Virginia. Okay. I think it was Vermont. Vermont. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. One home. of those V states. My friend took a road trip to see a friend near Arcata, California. They visited, said their goodbyes, and he stopped by a bar to have a drink before going to his hotel for the night. The bartender was a beautiful woman, and she served him and chatted and smiled. After a few more drinks, the woman told him he could stay at her place. I mean, that was quick. She said to leave his car car there, and she would drive him back the next day as her place was hard to find and somewhat remote. He took her up on it. He told me later that he began to feel very fearful when they arrived at her home. She took him to her room, and of course the inevitable sex experience occurred. He said that he was actually frightened of her then as well, as she was not acting normally and sounded almost inhuman in a way. Okay. I think that was just the throes of passion, dude. I think I think we need to just... I think you need to have more experience. More of these sex experiences that you speak of. <laughs> After laying in bed for a while, the woman had fallen asleep and he got up to get water from the kitchen. As he was walking to the sink, he saw numerous small, frightening-looking children walking to and fro about the place. The fuck? It was a large... <laughs> okay, sorry. It was a large two-story house. He wondered what they were doing up at 2 to 3 a.m. if they had school the next day. He also said they looked at him with completely black eyes, and he was terrified of them, that he had a horrible feeling about them. It turns out the woman owned the bar, and she did return him the next day. She forced him out, and he had to walk the highway. <laughs> Okay. I feel like this might belong on our succubus episode. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Um, it just sounds like, hey, I, I got to be at work. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to stay over that long. <laughs> I mean, you don't got to go home, but you got to get out of here. <laughs> I met up with him a week or two later, and he seemed perfectly fine, fine but a little frazzled. About a month later... This extremely healthy, athletic individual was diagnosed with bladder cancer, and no medication or treatment would impact his condition. He believed it was directly related to that experience with the black-eyed children in Arcata. He died about six months after his diagnosis. Dang. That sounds like something. For sure, that sounds like something. We'll expound on our ideas soon. I have one more story. Okay. And this one is gross. This one actually, Uh like... This one actually, I was really excited to share this with you. Yeah. Um, and it really freaked me out. And um, I was researching it like 11 o'clock at night. And uh, somebody walked through the laundry room that's right next to my room mm-hmm. and closed the door. When I tell you, <laughs> I, I swear to God, I was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> as I, as it's just, okay. You nearly peed your panties. Girl, girl, okay. I had to like send you a video video message. I was like, I can't. I don't know. I, I was all Blair Witch Project with you. <laughs> okay. Now this lady didn't actually invite these, and as my friend Jenna 
put a creepy little shits in her space. Mm-hmm. But I found this story to be super unnerving, like I said. And this is one of the stories that we read in our, our that we that I read in our book. Okay. Sharon is a registered nurse in a rural area of Iowa. She lives in a small town. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I don't know. <laughs> she lives in a small town with her husband and 10-year-old son. Her family and his all live in the area. And on a Sunday afternoon, after a long shift at the hospital, she went to her mother-in-law's house to pick up her son. On the way home, she stepped at a, stopped at a convenience store to pick up some milk and cereal. Being that it was a safe rural town and she was going to be just a moment inside, she left her son in the back seat of the SUV. Just a few moments later, Sharon returned to her car, put on her seatbelt, and put the bag on the passenger seat. She turned her car on and, you know, just like we all do, she looked in her rearview mirror to pull out of her spot. Looking back from the rearview mirror was a young boy with solid black eyes. She said she wanted to scream, but when she opened her mouth to do so, nothing came out. The child was staring at her with a cold glare and was sitting unusually close to her son in the back seat. No. Look, look any distance between her and her son in the back seat is an unusual distance <laughs> because, you know, why are you in my car? But okay. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing her son beside the boy was enough to get her to regain control of her senses. She yanked open the back door, pulled her son out, and as she made to rush back inside the convenience store, she noticed the boy with the black eyes simply glared at her as she pulled him out. Mm-hmm. When the convenience store clerk saw the look of sheer terror on her face, he asked what was wrong and if someone was hurt, and she replied, someone's in my car. Like I said, it's a rural town in Iowa, so everyone knows everyone, and the clerk knew her from her frequent visits. He rushed outside to see what was going on, as he could only assume that the someone in her car was trying to steal it. But when he went outside, he noticed that not only was the vehicle still there, but the engine was still running and both the driver's door and driver's side passenger door were still open. There was no sign of anyone in or around her car, and he looked around the parking lot, but nothing. He turned off the car and took her keys, just in case. He then went back inside and tried to ask her some more questions, but she was too shaken up to respond. Finally, he turned to the counter and said, he said, I'm going to call the police, yo. He probably didn't say yo, but that's just <laughs> But she assumed the police would think she was delusional, so she stopped him. The clerk was obviously concerned for her, so he was insistent upon calling the police, but she finally told him it was just a child, and it pretty much satisfied him. He said, well, if it was just a kid, I guess we can let it go. She then called her husband because she wanted to get her son home, but couldn't bring herself to get back in her SUV, which I don't blame her. No. Her husband was obviously super puzzled when he, she asked if she could take his truck home while he drove her SUV, but he complied, and he restated that they should have just allowed the police to handle the situation. So here's where shit gets real. Okay. So he gets to the convenience store, and you know, he's like, Sharon, why didn't she just call the cops? And she's like, yeah, I don't want them to think I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. He gets in her car and turns it on, and that's when he notices a strange odor. He later described the odor as smelling of dirty diapers. Mm. Remember, their son is only 10 years, or there's already 10 years old. So it's been a minute and a half since he's been in diapers. Right. And he just thought maybe something was rotting in the backseat. You know, I'm not a parent, but you know, kids, I've been in cars of parents and kids like to throw about food and maybe, yeah, maybe she just left something, you know, and sure, sure. (laughs) 
so he thought something was rotting, but he found nothing. So he just rolled down the windows, hoping to air the car out and started driving home. Whale. <laughs> a few miles down the road, Tom was in an accident. Oh, no. Look, this accident wasn't just some fender bender. He wrapped the SUV around a pole and it was totaled. A passing motorist saw the wreck and called an ambulance. Tom was rushed to the hospital, and fortunately, he didn't have any life-threatening injuries. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, while this is all happening, Sharon went home, made herself a cup of tea, and asked her son what in the fuck happened. Yeah. She probably didn't talk to her son like that, but, you know. Maybe. Maybe she did. <laughs> I would. <laughs> Where did that boy come from? He came to the car when you were in the store. When she asked if he knew the boy from school, he replied that he just met him that day. She then went on to ask what he wanted, to which her son replied, Oh, he just wanted a ride to our house. I thought he wanted to play. So he just got in the car? No, Mommy. He said I had to invite him in the car. He couldn't come in unless I invited him. Oh, kid. Well, at that moment... As she's asking her son these questions, she got the phone call from the hospital informing her that Tom was in a wreck and that although his injuries weren't life-threatening, he needed to stay overnight for observation. She packed an overnight bag and rushed to the hospital, and while there, he complained of a headache as he had struck his head, and he didn't remember anything about the accident, and the doctors assumed he probably blacked out. She recanted the story of what happened earlier, and Tom, who was devoutly religious said with certainty that he believed whatever the child was, it was evil. Now, although Tom was released the following day, in the days that followed, their son became very ill. Initially, his illness presented as a cold, then it worsened. They went to the doctor and he stated it was actually a flu and prescribed medication. A few days into his regimen, his symptoms developed into measles, and over the next few weeks, he exhibited more symptoms, including stomach ache, sores on the body, and blurred vision. The symptoms were inexplicable because there was no evidence of any family history of illness or disease that would explain any of the afflictions that he had. Except for radiation so, poisoning. Uh, here's... Sorry. Yes. Okay. It just, it all ties into the radiation. Uh -huh. So here's how the story ends. And I know I was, I was actually disappointed with the ending of the story. Okay. Oh. Buckle up. Um, yeah. So they were convinced their son was ill as a result of the black eyed kid, an encounter with the black eyed kids. And they were convinced the black eyed kids were, was a demon or the black eyed kid was a demon. Okay. So they started praying and asked their entire family to pray for the boy as well. And this resulted in his recovery. Okay. Anyway. So Sharon later asked her child, her son, if, he noted anything sinister about the boy and he said no that he just looked like a normal kid he didn't see the eyes he said she asked him when she saw his eyes what do they look like and he said that they were no they were completely normal that's weird okay interesting yeah so what let him in and then all kinds of sinister things started happening and Hmm. Man. You, you know, you know, actually. Okay. So here's what I'm going to say. I know I said that I was disappointed with the end of the story. Mm -hmm. But just because 
just because it's prayer doesn't necessarily mean that it to me Mm -hmm. just because somebody prays to god or you know whatever it doesn't necessarily mean that that's what it is it could just be that these beings are sinister and evil and that the positive that putting out positivity is resulting in you know what i mean does that make sense yeah for sure and actually in a little while we're going to talk about something kind of along those lines as far as like the collective consciousness conscience conscious collective conscious of the power of you know group thought and how Mm. you know when it comes to prayer maybe that's just you know collecting that energy and putting it towards something specific so Mm -hmm. so you know while i have in my time scoffed at the the priest comes and the the, everything's cured or you know we all prayed about it and now la di da but maybe as my opinion about that is just as coming from an open-minded perspective even though i am not a believer in religion is that maybe it's just the the energy that you're expending towards that thing that is creating right. something out of it so anyway well I, I guess i just repeated myself like six times there but we'll we'll continue to elaborate on that in a little while i myself have a few i have yeah like i have a couple stories here of people who also did the same thing as far as letting the black-eyed kids or actually this first one isn't quite letting them in but something unique did occur in the situation so a woman named beth said that after encountering the black-eyed children at her apartment her entire life fell apart the day that she encountered them she got a nasty stomach virus the second day someone broke into her car and stole her laptop and the third day she was laid off from her job and when she got home that day her boyfriend of seven years left her I mean, that's a shitstorm for sure. Like, no denying, you know? Obviously, these could all be just one absolute terrible coincidence and just the week from hell. Or there's something to do with the timing here as far as the relation to her experience with the black-eyed kids. Like I said, although we said that these were going to be people who let them in, in this case, that's not exactly true. The difference in this story is that one of the children touched Beth on the wrist. So she said in her encounter, there was a girl, which like you just told one where there was a girl, but so far before that, I don't think we'd really heard any of that. There were actually any girls there. So the, the girl being present in itself is somewhat rare. It seems in these stories, but mm-hmm. Beth says that she was, they were at the door. They were asking to come in to watch the telly. Cause this is in the UK. And, um, obviously she was afraid of them. She didn't want to let them in, but all of a sudden, the girl had grabbed her wrist and she said she didn't even see it happen, but she looked down and the girl had her hand around it and she instantly pulled away and slammed the door. And then immediately she got sick and that's when she had all that stuff happen to her. So she, I mean, she said she had a nasty stomach virus. I don't think that they said anything about anything further than that, but you know, it seems like that does seem to be an effect that happens when you're a little too exposed to these kids, perhaps. Maybe you're around them a little too long or, or something. You get too much exposure and s- you start to get sick. Maybe she just wasn't exposed to them as long as the people who let them in their house, you know? Yeah. Blech. Either way, don't touch me. <laughs> you're not my mom and dad. 
<laughs> that was like I remember back in the day when I first got a tattoo on my arm, like that was visible. I would go to the damn grocery store, and people would come up and just grab me by the arm. Inappropriate. Why do people think that's appropriate? Absolutely inappropriate. What? I think they wouldn't probably do that to a dude, to be honest. But you, you, you know, know what? Actually, I think they do. I remember. I remember Jordan. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, from the Bumble podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> I remember Jordan had said once that like his biggest pet peeve was people thinking that they could just touch okay. your tattoos. Oh, and that okay. it happened to him all the time. Mm. But, you know, people okay, are okay. on him. Well, probably. He has a, a dream boat. <laughs> um, okay, so... Going back thousands of years, there have been beings in black that have come to claim the souls of soon-to-be or recently departed people. And paranormal entities being harbingers of doom is nothing new. The mo- God damn it. The Mothman is a good example of this, <laughs> which we haven't covered, but then Bumblebutts did in episode 30, if you want to check it out. Where he, um, suppo- the Mothman, supposedly made an appearance just before a deadly bridge collapse. This is similar to how the black-eyed children seem to be harbingers of doom, and in some cases, death. A man named Charles from New Orleans encountered the black-eyed children coming home one night from hanging out with some friends. It was around 2 a.m., and his friends dropped him off at the end of his block. As he began to walk towards his house, he heard a kid call out, Hey, mister. He turned around, and there was a young kid standing behind him, way too close for him to not have heard him approaching. He looked around to see if there was anyone else around with the kid, but there wasn't. He asked the kid what he was doing out there so late, and the kid responded, Why don't you ask me to walk along with you? Well, that's weird. Like I said last time, you're creepy, and it's creepy in itself, but you are just sounding super to catch a predatory. Like, I just feel this, I get this vibe. I just get it. I don't like it. I'm like, stop trying to catch these people in a trap. You can find yeah. pedos out there, a plenty, but don't try to make people who aren't. <laughs> Charles said the kid was around 10 to 12 and was obviously acting strange, and he was honestly afraid to look at him. He said his skin was very pale and looked funny, and he didn't even answer the boy, just started booking it towards his house. Behind him, he heard the kid say, that's bad. That's bad. You're going to be sorry you didn't listen to me. Uh-uh. Okay. Okay. Dude. Okay. okay. <laughs> he, I know. And this is like how terrifying to have that thing behind you. He ran home, locked the door, and tried to forget about the whole thing. A few hours later, at 5 a.m., he was jolted awake by the telephone. It was his mother calling to tell him that his sister had suddenly passed away in her sleep. Aww. She was an otherwise healthy person, but had suffered a heart attack in her sleep. She was like in her 30s and healthy and it was just some random obviously could have happened but also again it's just a matter of what a coincidence that it happened so soon after he had this encounter with this kid who told him he would be sorry that he didn't let him walk with him so what are black-eyed children obviously they're a little bit difficult to classify since they at least appear human they aren't going to be classified as cryptids and as with any paranormal topic there's a lot of argument about what they are and what their origins are obviously the skeptics say that they are simply kids playing a prank with medical medical conditions or a big hoax altogether 
But I have to say that if most of the people who have encountered the black-eyed children were all about publicity and gaining notoriety from their encounter, it would, be, it would definitely raise my suspicions on their motives for sharing their stories. But in reality, you know, most of them have been pretty reluctant to share their experiences and don't even want to talk to them, talk to them, talk about them very much because it obviously is almost like a trauma. Well, it's traumatizing, right. you know. The encounters are unsettling and they often time, uh, I just got ahead of myself. The encounters are unsettling and oftentimes leave the person traumatized by their experience. Some refuse to return to the place where they encountered them. They refuse to answer the door and are often plagued by nightmares following their experience. You know, something that they all say is that they just can't seem to get the eyes out of their mind. It's like it's imprinted in their mind. Um, we heard multiple accounts of people from all walks of life in the last episode that were left with a lifelong sense of fear when recounting their experiences years later, you know, 50 years later. Uh, and as I stated last episode, it's almost as if by talking to these kids alone, you somehow let them into your mind at least. So let's dig a little bit deeper on the plethora of theories out there regarding what these creepy little beings are theorized to be. Because there's a lot of them. There's a lot of theories. So the first one that we'll talk about are greys being aliens that not sure if everybody that's listening has heard about the greys, but they're fairly well known in the supernatural world. They are a being that shares the black eyes characteristic with the black eyed children. They're the typical Um, like. They're what you think about typically when you think, when you say the word alien, that's what you think. Yeah. You don't think of like the tall wise sure. or like, I don't know. Right. The Nords. <laughs> the Nord? Right. Isn't that one of them? What is a Nord? The Nordic. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. You mean Nordic human beings? No. I don't mean, <laughs> I don't mean like, I don't mean like Nordic. Alexander Skarsgård? <laughs> I don't know if he's Nordic. I don't even know. Yeah. Well, an author named... Whitley Stryber in 1987 released a book called Communion, a True Story, in which he recounts his supposed experiences with non-human beings. And the artist Ted Seth Jacobs created the cover art from Stryber's description of the beings. And it's probably the most well-known image of a gray, which, like you were saying, it is pretty much the like stereotypical alien, where it's like that kind of triangular head, those big, large black eyes. I mean, I'm not, I won't. I won't insult Ted Seth Jacobs like I was thinking about doing. It just looks very simplistic, you know, just not, um, I don't know, just the very stereotypical alien. Greys are described as having small, thin bodies, smooth skin, a large head, and solid black eyes that are often described as shiny or glossy. Modern claims of encounters with greys often go into detail about the eyes of the beings because they have no outward nose or ears and a very small mouth, so obviously large, shiny black eyes tend to stand out. Researchers who study... Which I find it very interesting there are researchers who study the greys. I guess that we would be considered researchers that study greys. Often claim that the aliens stare into their victims' eyes during abductions and can induce a hypnotic or hallucinogenic state in them. In his book, Secret Life, First-Hand Accounts of USO... USO, you <laughs> yes. When you go into the airport and you're a veteran or you're active duty, that's what he's talking about. <laughs> UFO abductions. 
Author David Jacobs also mentions the seeming hypnotic technique used by the Greys. He says, throughout the abduction, both as a way of communicating with the abductee and presumably of examining and altering her mental and emotional state, the beings stare deeply into the uh, abductee's eyes. Which, you know, I think in the initial encounters with the black-eyed children, they kind of keep their eyes down because they're maybe trying to get in your personal space without freaking you the fuck out but then right after they look at you it is kind of like they're trying to get you staring at them staring deep into their yeah. little black eyes jacobs also postulates that this technique can also inject information into the abductee's head it is said that gray's primarily primarily communicate through telepathic means and exert a form of mind control so we talked about that yeah people like feeling like oh i shouldn't let you in but then like well maybe i should right like they're suggesting things subconsciously to these people while the black eyed children obviously commonly communicate verbally many people who have experiences with them say no 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 say it is it's felt as if they're attempting to exert their will over them through telepathy or mind control but while there are these similarities between the two, Gray's bodies are reported as being long and spindly, and they do not conceal them with clothing. They also don't have hair on their head, and they are nearly always in relation to UFO encounters, so it's also possible that this has nothing to do with the other. Mm-hmm. Or there's something, there's some commonality, but maybe it's not that the black eyed children are Gray's, you know? Some people think that black eyed children are the gray's attempt at tampering with genetics and attempting to create an alien human hybrid, which it's far out there. You know, it's a little, it's a little much, but while most researchers scoff at this idea, proponents use the fact that many abductees have egg and sperm samples taken from them as proof that this could be the case. One of the most famous abduction cases is from a couple, Betty and Barney Hill, who say that they were abducted one night along a long winding stretch of road in 1961 where they were followed by a strange craft that flashed multicolored lights while it darted around the road and eventually it kept pace with them while they drove for miles they were eventually they were taken into this craft and betty later claimed that they examined her and a long thin tube was inserted into her stomach through her belly button at the time, that was a completely unknown process, but eventually obstetricians began to use this technique for in vitro fertilization, among other surgical procedures. So. Oh, so it kind of lends a little bit, it kind of lends a little bit of credence to, yeah. the, to the theory that they're trying to create a hybrid. Also, the fact that well, these kids are causing, I mean, okay, right. Also, the <laughs> fact that that these ki- these people that are exposed to these kids are getting are becoming sick mm-hmm. with radiation poisoning. Yeah. Mhm. Well, so I yeah. I definitely found it interesting that something she, you know, she told her story in 1961 at the time everyone was like that sounds crazy, you know, you're no one's entering anything into your belly button and then like years later it actually became right. a procedure done for multiple different things, obviously one of them being in vitro. Um that and you know honestly aliens wanting eggs or like messing with reproductive organs like that's definitely something that you're you hear in a lot of stories and again we heard it in skinwalker ranch when the uh <laughs> when the um 
cows were mutilated, a lot of times their their reproductive organs were removed completely. So yep. who the heck knows what the heck's going on there? I mean, if you think about it, that's a, that's actually a, a very human thing to do too. Is to, I mean, dog breeding. Yeah, you know, like all dogs come from wolves. We've crossbred them, and we've done things as far as making hybrids mm -hmm. are concerned. Yeah, I think we're pretty we're pretty fascinated as as a society or as a race with doing genetic testing. I mean, they yeah. were doing that in sorry, but in like the Holocaust, mm -hmm. they were doing it. You know, yeah. doctors. Yeah, the there are trials now. Mm -hmm. Now there, are, it's not obviously as heinous, but you know there are doctors who are selective, who are doing things to exactly yeah. to further science and further research. Yes, so it's very controversial. I, so would it be? Would it be? Would it really be? And I come from the other side where I'm like, would it really be so crazy to think that that's what's going on? Yeah. You know, no, I don't I mean, I don't Anyways. think so. Like, again, there's commonalities here and you can't ignore. You can't ignore all of these common. It's not well, occurrences? occurrences and all these different things. And you could also be like, everybody's making it up. But you also can't be that reductive. There's something you have to find some truth. Again, I'll say it. I say it all the time. But like when there's smoke, there's fire. So there's some sort of something going on here. So. Right. This hybrid theory is the opinion of a, a woman named Marsha who says that black-eyed children showed up at her door who she thinks were alien-human hybrids. She is so confident of this because she says she's been abducted by greys before, which I said, well, why didn't you say so then? Uh, <laughs> in her detailed experience, she recounts being abducted numerous times and at age 23 having eggs removed by the greys and somehow knowing that they were going to do, knowing what they were going to do with them. She says that during a later abduction, she was shown a small child with pale skin and solid black eyes. She says once again, she knew that this child came from her genes. Then she says 10 years later, some black-eyed children showed up on her doorstep and she was sure one of them was her child. After hearing a knock on the back door, she pulled back the curtain to find a young boy about 10 years old standing there with pale skin and solid black eyes and another standing behind him that looked similar. They didn't talk. They just stared at each other until her husband busted through the front door and broke up this little telepathic reunion. <laughs> when she turned back to the boys after looking at her husband, they had, of course, vanished. Well, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I, as a as a healthy skeptic, also open to all sorts of possibilities, you know, part of me is like, man, you sure had a lot of stuff happen to you. You know, it's like, Okay, I don't know. It's hard to believe that you had that much stuff happen to you, but maybe you really did. I don't want to completely discount your stories. And there's a lot of leaps in logic going on here, but I'm going to, you know, it's just we're putting it out there for y'all to make your own decisions by, based off of what she says. So there's another woman who claims to have been abducted multiple times. Her name is Anne. And she says that on her third abduction, she was actually already pregnant. And after her abduction, there was no fetus or sign that she had ever been pregnant. She said when she went to the doctor, she says that they impregnated her to begin with. And then they came back to take her baby after several months of pregnancy. 
Then, three years later, she claimed she was abducted yet again and was shown she was shown a small child. She was shown a small child while she was on the ship. She said he looked normal at first, a little thin and pale, but fairly healthy. Then she noticed that he had solid black eyes, just like the aliens. She says she knew that this was her baby. He smiled at her and she spoke to him, though he did not respond. When she touched his hair, she noticed it was very fine, but not like baby fine. It was as though he was going through chemo treatments and it was all about to fall out. She touched his hand and said it felt too mushy to be human, which I found to be what? a very interesting choice of words. I don't maybe maybe they look so off. Their skin looks so off because they don't have like a human skeletal system or something. I hate it. <laughs> so <laughs> she says that child could walk around this neighborhood and people wouldn't realize anything was different until he got closer to them. Those eyes stand out and his skin was so clean. No freckles or imperfections like we have. Mm. Upon reflection, Anne doesn't think that the grays have the hybridization process down yet and the children aren't quite healthy. She says once they do, these hybrids will be walking around with none of us being the wiser, which we may already be. Right. These two ladies aren't alone in their alleged experiences. Around the world, there are thousands of women who claim to have been abducted, impregnated, only to have their fetuses stolen from them and later be shown a child with black eyes. Out of all of these stories, there are of course going to be some liars, some crazies, some attention-seeking gals, but after those are eliminated, what is the reality of what is left? Like I said, they can't all, they aren't all lying. You know, and they and I don't think they're all communing together to get details that can match other people's details. You know, there's there's got to be some percentage of these people who are actually telling their own truth of some sort. Right. This man named Jim also thinks that the black eyed kids he ran into were aliens. He says they didn't look natural to me at all. The eyes were creepy. Yes. But combined with the pasty color of their skin, it was a sight that I just won't forget. Maybe aliens using children because they seem unassuming is what's right. going on here, perhaps. Maybe all these experiences are an illusion created by the aliens using telepathic powers, creating images with what they want victims to see. That's a possibility. Um, maybe greys are running some grand psychological experiment, sending out little grey aliens in disguise, and the fight-or-flight response that they elicit is kind of like a crack in the mirage that mm. they're projecting um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. obviously hybrids of any species are difficult to produce and in a healthy way though it's possible and also we're talking about alien species here so i'm pretty sure it's safe to say if this were even remotely true or possible they likely have figured out a way to fill in the gaps in the genetic differences to produce hybrids so that's a possibility mm-hmm Next up, <laughs> next up is Men in Black, and we're going to talk about it a little. I don't want to do too deep of a dive on this, because very soon we're going to be actually taking a deep dive on Men in Black, so this is going to be a gloss, a, a gloss over. Uh, don't be disappointed, you guys. Seriously, we're going to do a... Yeah, it's coming. Five parts. (laughs) Men in Black are more than just the movie with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. And then I think they made more, but who cares about those? So while that is somewhat 
the situation. It's not quite the situation about what, you know, these men in black supposedly are. Uh, they're odd men. Odd, odd men. They're odd, oddly behaving men who seem to pay visits to individuals who have had UFO encounters. While they're there, they issue veiled threats and warnings, telling people not to share their encounters with anybody. And the descriptions of men in black vary, but they're typically dressed in dark suits, hats, and sunglasses, no matter time of day or night. Their skin is usually pale and has an odd sheen to it. It's a little gross. Like, I mean, that part of the movie... See, because on Men in Black, the movie, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith were humans. But there's the alien... There there are the aliens that kind of, like, impersonate humans. And that's where they meshed the story i guess or or i don't know but that's that's what actual men in black seem to be is they're odd men in some kind of disguise as a human and kind of the opposite kind of more menacing but anyways right so theories about men in black range from aliens to secret government agents and some accounts suggest that that may actually be the case at least in some of them but like i accidentally spoiled last ep Many men in black accounts state that the men act strange, their language is awkward, and there's just something off about their appearance, just like the children that we're talking about with black eyes. There are historical accounts of men in black dating back to the 1950s and even further back in historical accounts of encounters with the quote-unquote devil. They were always typically a well-dressed man in all black. Uh, further back in mythology, gods would at times disguise themselves to come down to earth and hand out justice and cause strife among humans, though it was typically reserved for the servant class of beings. But these are all very similar to what it seems like is happening with the black-eyed children. And that's where I'm going to end my Men of Black talk because we have it. You know, we have a, we have a lot more to go into yes. soon. So another theory is uh, the some sort of dark angel that people have, you know, in ancient times that that was what people people used angels and demons and and also pagan um, deities and uh, entities to describe what was going on. So another thing that I had read Mm -hmm. was a dark angel in the Islamic belief. There's the Munkar and the Nakir. Uh, they are known as the denied and the denier. They are also described in some accounts as with solid black eyes and a shoulder span measured in miles. Oh, geez. Jesus. <laughs> uh, with a voice as loud as thunder. When they speak, tongues of fire come from their mouth. They bear gigantic hammers so large that if all of humankind tried to move them even move the uh, hammer even an inch they would fail however other other descriptions of them uh say that they are smooth with jet black bodies and either piercing blue or solid black eyes <clears throat> they're not mentioned in the quran however they are mentioned in the hadith which is another sacred muslim text they are sent after uh, an individual passes to test the faith of the dead in their graves and many Muslims believe that after their death, the soul continues to exist in the grave in a stage known as Barzakh. Unfortunate. They, uh, I know. They arrive after the completion of funeral rites and when the last member is 40 paces away. They ask three questions. 
Who is your Lord? Who is your prophet? And what is your religion? If the deceased answer all three questions correctly, which in the religion of Islam is Allah, which is the Arabic word for God, Muhammad, and Islam, they enjoy a pleasant time awaiting the resurrection. If wrong, however, they suffer terrible punishment until the day of judgment. This is considered a Muslim's greatest trial after death, and people of the Muslim faith face their the deceased's body towards Mecca, and it is considered vital that the last thing uh, that they hear at the time of death is a de- declaration of faith. How does that Another, How does that work out? What do you mean? Uh, they state a declaration, like somebody, oh, somebody around. Yes. Okay. Okay. Another dark angel is also the Grim Reaper. We all know the description. It's the skeleton with the hood. We posted a picture of the Grim Reaper today. So. <laughs> a tall, beautiful baby. <laughs> Um, this, uh, this most likely, this description of death most likely comes from centuries of cultural beliefs and legends because people were scared of death and people associated with skeletons with dying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's also Azrael, who is of the Christian faith, mm-hmm. and he's typically appearing as a dark eyed angel with black wings. But again, it's, it's that common theme of having the black eyes and yeah. being associated with death that... Mm-hmm. Um, that we're talking about. So another possibility, another another theory is the concept of a hungry ghost. As we talked about a little bit last episode, the hungry ghost is a concept that has been well integrated into Chinese culture. Even annual, there's even an annual celebration known as the hungry ghost festival held during the seventh month of the Chinese calendar while there is a full moon. According to this tradition, the gates of hell are open during this time for hungry ghosts to roam the land looking for food, entertainment, and anything else that will fulfill their desires. So I said, so basically some strange, no! some, <laughs> some, <laughs> some dead strange to appease the spirit, <laughs> to appease the spirits. Families offer prayers to their deceased relatives and pay tribute to any wandering spirits that may be roaming about. It is believed that these spirits that roam without any remaining family on earth can cause great misfortune if they are not honored. People burn thin tissue paper with pictures of houses, cars, money, and other objects of desire so that the inhabitants of the underworld may use it in the afterlife. A Chinese-born woman named Jill shared a story of her sister's encounter with these hungry ghosts with black eyes. She said her sister was still living with her parents in Shanghai when she came home from the market one day and there was a knock at the window outside the kitchen. She looked over to see a young girl standing outside. Immediately upon walking closer, Jill's sister realized the little girl had black eyes and her skin was very white and pale. She asked the girl what she wanted and the girl responded, I want to eat. I want you to invite me in so I can have some of your food. Her sister immediately thought the girl to be some kind of spirit and was afraid. She said the girl looked strange and didn't appear completely solid, as well as staring directly at her in a very intense way. She left the kitchen and called for her father, who went out to see what she was speaking of, but there was no sign of the little girl. He then closed the window and curtains and instructed the family to do a prayer because she had, be- she had seen a wandering spirit. They believed that had Jill's sister let the girl in, the- that great misfortune would have befallen on them all. In Chinese culture and religious traditions, all humans turn into ghosts when they die. Eventually, a person's ghost weakens and completely releases all ties to the physical world, then dies a second time before finally moving on, in the best of cases, to the higher realms of the afterlife. 
some spirits do become stuck in space and move into the realm of the hungry ghost. This happens for various reasons, one being that the person's ancestors did not honor them enough, and another being that the person displayed overall negative behavior while they were alive. So watch out, all of you pieces of shit. In China's Taoist religion, hungry ghosts are those that do not have what they need to survive in the afterlife or who have died violent, sudden deaths. Ghosts who do not, which is so sad because it's not their fault how they died. Yeah. Ghosts who do not have the proper amount of food, water, and shelter will find their way back to the living, and in desperation, they attempt to feed off these people's energy. Taoists believe that the way a building is constructed and placed determines whether a hungry ghost will be attracted to it. So. It's possible that these little dudes are dudes and ladies are hungry ghosts wandering the earth. And, you know, just this is the interpretation of Chinese culture versus ours. The next theory is going to be an old demon. The dictionary defines demon an evil spirit or agent of evil, harm, distress or ruin. So that definition itself doesn't necessarily make me prickle up too much because it doesn't necessarily have to be tied to religion or have you know religious connotation if something is negative and has a harmful intention that itself could be considered quote-unquote evil you know and i think we can all identify something as being negative or harmful or evil that doesn't necessarily have to be um because of some sort of guess, deity or religion re- or because yeah, of, or yeah. religious text or, or rule or whatever. Right. You know, it's, there's that saying like, you don't, you don't need God to be a good person or something. I don't remember, but you know, right. you know, we, you know what we're saying. So the, the subject of demons has become really popular with anything having to do with paranormal. And frankly, in that sense, it's just kind of lazy on every ghost hunting show. Yeah, on every ghost hunting show in existence, the hosts are running around shouting that there's a demon at every gust of wind that blows a window closed, and it really takes the legitimacy out of any claims. You know, crying demon at everything that scares you is not cool, man. Uh, so I know I've received some criticism for my declarations that anytime there's a paranormal situation going on and someone calls a priest, calls a priest, and it's all fixed, kills it for me, and well, sorry, but it still kind of does. That said... There's another line of thought that I have regarding keeping an open mind in these types of situations, which I absolutely do. What I find to be particularly irritating is the black and white way that people want to view things. Like, I know this is a demon. I know there's a Christian God because XXX. Or, I know ghosts aren't real because there's no scientific data to back these claims up. I don't see things that way, and I believe fully that very few things in the world are black and white. It's more like everything is gray. And I don't mean gray aliens i mean (laughs) when it comes down to it we can't really prove anything supernatural to be absolute fact god ghosts demons skinwalkers poltergeist sasquatch aliens all of these things at least at this point are scientifically unprovable what we can do is collect data that can help us develop hypotheses about these things which is what we do with our research I would say that in regard to quote-unquote demons and priests absolving issues at times, there is a good amount of anecdotal, anecdotal evidence that this does happen. And while there is a possibility that this is because there is a god that represents goodness and has the ability to cast out evil quote-unquote demons, there is also a possibility that what power the priests have in these situations is derived from the energy which they emit, be it brainwaves, electromagnetic radiation, or something else that is able to change the dynamic with these evil presences. 
Or, you know, the demons are just like, ooh, this dude molests children. I'm out. Because even demons know that priests are creeps. But in, but in seriousness, when someone has a religious background and beliefs, it's going to color the encounters that they have with something paranormal and or unexplainable. And if they feel uncomfortable with this unexplainable event, the chances are incredibly high that they're going to attribute it, attribute it to be a demonic force. <clears throat> and people always want to explain things in a way that they, they know how. And I think yeah. for all of us, religion, most... I want to say most of us grow up in a household which religion is a prevalent, um, yeah, it's a prevalent part of our upbringing. So I think that's and it's kind of ingrained in our culture, you know, even 100%, too. One hundred percent, a hundred percent for sure. Yeah. So, anyways, I interrupted you. Well, you're like you said. I think that's and then I was like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> you're such a tyrant. Um, I know. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so I think people are just trying to, to relate the thing that they know. Yeah. And ex- mm-hmm. again, just, that's, that's all just that the people are trying to relate the thing that they know with Ex- the thing that they don't know and try to explain to themselves yeah. what it could, it, oh, it's, it's, it's a demon and that makes things easier. Yes, exactly. Right. Right. So, you know, like I said, maybe this is some kind of evil manifestation of energy, maybe, but what that truly means is kind of unknown and we really can't attribute it to something with a religious context any more than we can say that the situation is just the perfect storm of electromagnetic radiation, mental telepathy and a secret alien plan to break us down little by little. Mm -hmm. I mean, truly you can't say one or the other is any more legitimate. The black eyed children really do seem to terrify those who encounter them. People from all walks of life, like we've talked about, And it is pretty unanimous with all the encounters that the individuals report the black-eyed children presence as sinister, frightening, malevolent, and that they have nightmares, flashbacks, and a lasting effect on them. Mm -hmm. And like I've said about, about a couple times now, it's almost as if if you don't let them in your dwelling, they haven't, and they have enough time to somehow worm their way into your brain it possibly goes on forever it seems i mean whatever that even means some sort of imprint on your your brain people across the board report nightmares sleepless nights and difficulty moving past the experience share the experience the experience which is all incredibly similar to someone who has experienced trauma which i mean this actually kind of is trauma and it makes you wonder how a simple interaction with a normal child could have this kind of effect on somebody. <sighs> so as far as characteristics historically attributed to evil that the black-eyed children possess, the first is obviously the eyes. You know, throughout history, beings that have black eyes have been thought to be evil, in many cases, quote-unquote, demonic. Um, though, though obviously that is also attributed to the religious and cultural beliefs of the area and the time. There are demonology experts who say that demons can take on the form of a human, but only if some part of the body remains distorted. You know, we, which we've heard in multiple different stories, like a hoof or a claw. Like what kind of story, Ashley? <laughs> Did you talk about it anywhere else? <laughs> not only, the, <laughs> not only, not only on the Bumblebutt podcast, but also on the Bumblebutt podcast. No, you know, what? Did you ever mention that in like one of your episodes? our own? <laughs> Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> also, our Incubus and Succubus episode. 
<laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, all right. All right. So, um, <laughs> yes. And men in black, you know, okay. And these yep. hair black eyed yep. children. So as, <laughs> aside from the eyes and the pale skin, there are no really odd physical characteristics of the black eyed children, though. You know, there's not like they have a hoof or something. You know, there's uh, really most people who encounter them have trouble remembering much beyond the shiny black, black eyes. eyes. Yeah. Obviously, if an evil entity were to take on human form, one would think a child would be the least threatening Versus, like, a giant man with black eyes and creepy skin. But, wait, that's a men in black. So, you know. But they don't, you know, like you said earlier, men in black are more, it's almost like they're used as, like, a a real aggressive threat. Whereas the kids are kind of like a little sneak attack a little bit more. Right. So maybe they're working together. Who knows? But like we talked about already, a child in need does typically draw out a primal instinct of protection and that they need to be cared for, which creates a whole scenario with the witnesses where they're like struggling to understand what is happening to them, why they feel so threatened by these children, and perhaps making them a little more vulnerable to the influence of the child. Uh, This could, if these were in fact an evil or demonic entity, create the opportunity they need to be invited across the threshold as is believed to be necessary with demons. As we talked about, the kids seem to grow upset and angry when the requests aren't met, but they don't seem to have a lot to say beyond their desire to get inside. Additionally, as we touched on last episode, a trait that they share with demonic entities, along with ghosts, poltergeists, skinwalkers, men in black, is the foul sulfuric odor that is left lingering once they leave. You know what? Actually, I got... A DM on Instagram, mm-hmm. and shoot, I feel like an asshole because I don't remember her name. That's okay. Um, but she said that she lives in Canada, okay. and their big thing is Sasquatch, mm-hmm. and that is also said to leave. Yes, that entity is also yes. said to leave. Exactly. Your odor. I, you know, yeah. and I actually, I actually wrote. That, I talked about that a couple times, I guess, on my, in my notes because I, I actually wrote that towards the end because yeah. Now, another thing I talk about all the time, but I have yet to cover, is Missing 411, which is, like, this compilation of disappearances. And I've been obsessed with this for, like, years. And it actually, it was, it's funny because I got these – I ordered these books because I was, like, fascinated by it. And Because, I mean, it's these disappearances this former police officer has collected – thousands upon thousands of disappearances it started off in national parks it uh has gone throughout a million different places but he eliminates ones that don't all share these like similar characteristics and they're bizarre but a lot of those similarly there's a like the child is person child whatever is absolutely just vanishes off the face of the earth in a blink of an eye and what's left is a smell the odor yes so oh my god it's crazy i mean i can't wait to talk about that too oh there's just so many things so um here's a story from an overnight security guard again it's in one of those jobs um at an office building in toronto who had a couple of black-eyed kids come up to the building in which he was working Uh, He says that they appeared up against the glass door demanding to be let in. He saw their eyes and got a bad feeling and refused to let them in, but they persisted. And he eventually went to call the cops. And when he turned his back for one second to get his phone, they had completely disappeared. 
He eventually opened the door to investigate where they could have possibly gone so quickly and was overwhelmed by what he described as the worst smell he's ever encountered. He said it smelled like rotten eggs and fecal matter mixed together. And he and he also felt like it stuck on his clothes for days following no matter how much he washed them. And that is something I read in other stories where uh, there was another story I read, which I don't think I wrote, I, I included, but where they felt like they could not get that smell out of their personal space, their nostrils, like anything. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it had permeated everything or on them for like days on end. And uh, you know what? It kind of reminds me of like a skunk. If you've I was ever, just thinking yeah. of like a skunk. Yeah, because I mean that it like it's so hard to get rid of, and it 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 like stays in your nostrils for days. You know, you think there's like some sort of tomato juice that you can bathe in for this? <laughs> uh, black-eyed children tomato juice, paranormals <laughs> dink fest tomato juice or something. What would it be? A tomato <laughs> juice for a skunk? Maybe like uh, I Holy don't know. Water. <laughs> mm. I was I was gonna say like maybe some Topo Chico. That's the holiest water (laughs) of all. That's the holiest water of all. (laughs) So while they share a number of characteristics with what may be called quote-unquote demons, in my research it is apparent these are mostly commonly shared with many different paranormal phenomena, which I will begin to wrap up into my ideas about what is going on in these cases pretty soon. Okay, let's move on. Vampires is another one. We kind of talked about it a little bit last episode because you had that idea with some of the stories that you told. Long before vampires became sparkly and sexy, they were actually described as grotesque, smelly creatures because they were thought to have crawled straight out of the grave. Makes sense. Like, I always think about Twilight, but then I I think back a little more and I'm like, you know who was like, and maybe I'm wrong, but the first, like, the OG of, like, sexy vampires was Anne Rice because I remember reading those books and being like, I would have a good old time with uh, with these guys, you know? Like, these... It's so sexy. Like, who wouldn't want to have sex with these vampires? But oh, and then, like, um, movies, like, I mean, it's cheesy, but like, Interview with a Vampire. Oh, well, that's Anne Rice. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So, like, yeah. In the, but I'm saying in the movie, they use the sexiest, sexiest dudes, dudes. If you know, for the time, although Brad Pitt is aging like fine wine, um, kind of like Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> you know. Sorry to say it, but kind of like Tom Cruise. I know he's a fucking idiot, but he's also gotten plastic surgery and stuff. But he yeah, used yeah, to, yeah. he looked like a mess at one point. I mean, he was cute, and then he was a mess, and then now he looks like he did 20 years ago or something. I don't know. That, it's Scientology. Scientology. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God! <laughs> okay. You are my soulmate. <laughs> <laughs> so... So the stench of these beings was said to be overwhelming, just like the black-eyed children. In other tales, the undead are described as having a quote-unquote sickly sweet odor, which has also been a characteristic that has been said about the black-eyed children verbatim in multiple different stories. Mm -hmm. They are unable to bear light or holy places, but are driven by their need for human blood. And as you may know at this point, Classical tales of vampires recount that they are unable to enter a dwelling unless they are invited in, which appears to be the case with the black-eyed children as well. That they don't enter unless they are asked in, even in when they have the opportunity to do so. Because in a few of these stories, you know, it was like the door was pretty much open. No one was there, but they still didn't come in for some reason, you know? Right. Why would they be limited by the need to be asked in, though? You know, it's such an odd 
thing. It's so strange. Maybe they I have just a don't... legal team that advises them not to not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, another trait that the two share is the supposed hypnotic effect that they have on the individuals who come in contact with them, typically through their eyes, but also by repeating the same phrases in a monotone voice, which is the black eyed children to a T. Mm -hmm. Just like with vampires, the people who experience them describe feeling like the children are predatory hunters, just like the vampires hunting their prey. So, I don't know if vampires are real. I sure the heck hope not. But if they are, they definitely share some common characteristics with these little creepo children. But who knows? Another, you know, brief theory is the spirits of deceased children. And eh, I don't know. With the rise of children committing heinous acts, whether because of modern technology allowing us to know more about these things or something else, it is... Is it possible that these children were unsettled while they were alive and could be stuck here somehow as spirits of unrest? Are they actually children who are possessed? Though, if that were the case, where would these kids be hiding like 99% of the time when they're not knocking on people's doors asking them to watch the t TV? You know, they, they all have just like some hiding place somewhere underground, perhaps, or in a dim another dimension. Ooh, I don't know. Dim it's dimensional. Uh, <laughs> There's also um, something called a trickster, which I'm sure we've all heard of, trickster and trickster demons. I, you know, again, I mainly really know about this because of Supernatural, because there is a trickster that re is like a reoccurring character. And some of those episodes are the best episodes. Isn't it Loki? Of Isn't it always Loki that... That little it, dude. The, the dude is, is Loki. Loki, right? And then, but it, then it turns yeah. out that he's... Yeah. But... I think the second episode with him is one of the funniest, oh, the, one of the funniest episodes ever. We're going to have to watch on the that game show. show. Is that the oh, I think it might be. I think that might be. I mean, there's so many like inside jokes that go on in that. Oh, 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 I still got to go find Jensen somewhere. <laughs> Jensen Eccles. <laughs> yeah, we're going to. Anyway, we'll talk about this at the end. Okay, so uh, tricksters, tales of tricksters go way back in history, spanning across many cultures. Indigenous Americans of the Southwest had the coyote, which was said to be a trickster appearing in animal form. Mm. Africans brought their own form of the trickster to America during the awful, heinous, unforgivable slave trade. And in the Deep South, their stories merged with the Southern Indigenous tribes to form the Briar Rabbit, which is found in the famous Uncle Remus stories of the Deep South. Oh, okay. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, That's I good. Just, I, I like it. I just had a moment where I was like, oh, yeah have all the moments you need to okay uh <laughs> a man in the uk named richard experienced what he sees as more of a trickster black-eyed children hybrid situation just before a couple of black-eyed kids knocked steadily at his door and demanded he let them in to which to watch the telly yet again he heard thumps come from the hallway of his flat like something was dropped from several feet in the air something he described that had a little weight to it and i'm sorry but skinwalker ranch the cows were dropped. What is that? I don't even know what that is anymore. Okay. Skin rock around. So, <laughs> I've never heard of it. The cows. Remember, well, if you recall, everyone, <laughs> on Skinwalker Ranch, the cows, some of them had been determined that they had been dropped from a great height. Yep. How? I don't know. You drop a 2,000 pound cow silently onto the ground. I don't freaking know. You know but who you can ask? Who? <laughs> 
our good friend Cody from the Bubble Book Podcast. Oh, because he knows all about he's a cows. Farmer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, okay, okay. So this man, Richard, he says that he always felt like the kids were dropped in from somewhere. He also said that they sounded as though they were doing a bad British impression <laughs> when they spoke to him. <laughs> That's me. They were doing the like John Dyke <laughs> in Mary Poppins. That like that really cockney <laughs> over over the top. Anyway, so I thought that was interesting because you know, I wonder why they would have such trouble doing a British accent. But anyway, one of the most disturbing aspects of his story is that he says that they started out as two boys. And when he turned his head briefly and looked back to them, one more boy had appeared that looked identical to the other two. He was positive that the third boy was not there initially. The other weird part is that he heard that same thumping when they completely vanished as well. So what that means, I don't know, but is it just like, let us into the other dimension, please? Mm. Time time to be let go. We need to go now, please. <laughs> dimension. Just knocking. Destination, dimension three. <laughs> uh, who knows? Oh. Okay, here's another story about somebody who kind of feels like it was a trickstery experience. His name is Hector. He is from Mexico, but he's a U.S. citizen now that works at his family's Mexican restaurant in San Antonio, Tejas. Listen to this, though. How many stories were from Texas? I was like, get the fuck out of here. Girl, God damn it. Even um, DJ's story. She's from Texas. Get the fuck out, dude. I don't know why I always assumed, like, Texas would not have all these weirdo experiences. There's tons of alien encounters supposedly there's all these i'm like what the hell is going on here i am afraid i, I i'm not going on it well, y'all have y'all okay. have paranormal encounters we have serial killers so here in california so yeah well <laughs> even trade so uh hector says that one late night at work the cook told him that there was a boy outside by the dumpster he thought it was a homeless person, and he went out to investigate, as he said, that they sadly had to keep him away due to the fact that they left trash scattered all over the place whenever they would go through the dumpster. So he went out, and he looked around everywhere, but he could not find a child. Thinking that the cook had likely scared him away, he went back into the restaurant, shutting the back door. He says that immediately upon closing the door, there was a knock at it. He says that this alone was very strange as there was nowhere back there that someone could have been hiding to get over to the knock on the door that quickly without him having seen him while he was outside. He opened the door and there was the boy wearing a dark hoodie pulled well over his face. He said the boy looked up at him and pushed his face forward. His eyes were solid black. Hector was shocked. In Spanish, the boy said, I knew you would be the one to open the door. Now you're in for it. What? The heck, bitch? Are you kidding me no. right now? I, that's a threat. I, that, that, is, that is a threat. That is a straight-up threat. He then just started laughing loud. Don't, why are you loud? What, what are you laughing about? I don't like it, it. No. It scared Hector, and he slammed the door shut. Thank you, Hector. Way to go. Mm-hmm. He said that was just his immediate reaction to the boy, and right away, the laughing stopped. Hector then instructed everyone to leave the door shut and not go outside. He then called the police and told them there was a homeless person out back that wouldn't leave. Though once the police got there, they found no sign of the boy and he never returned. 
Hector believed that this boy cast bad luck on him as a series of unfortunate events occurred just after his encounter. On his way home that evening, he had a flat tire, which he says were only two weeks old, and he didn't run over anything, but the tire just completely split apart. When he took it to the mechanic, he said he had never seen anything like it before, but it must have been a faulty tire. The same night, his tire split, his oven caught fire at home, and he says that they had used it, I know, he says they used it that evening, turned it off for about an hour, and then it caught fire, which is very strange. Mm -hmm. He then says he went to church for midnight mass and lit a candle to make it all go away and hope that the black-eyed kid never came back. And... Okay, I'll continue. Was Hector visited by a trickster? The boy had blonde hair, very pale skin, and was fluent in Spanish, which is obviously a possibility regardless, but it could also be the kind of behavior exhibited by a trickster. Yeah. Hector Hector. (laughs) Hector (laughs) says for months after his encounter, he couldn't stop thinking about it. Although brief, the encounter changed his entire path in his life. He began exploring the spiritual traditions of his culture and seeking a deeper meaning for human existence, existence, which he is now sharing with others. This is, after all, the very nature of a trickster, to bring chaos, being the force of change created by turmoil and disaster. Is it possible that the black-eyed children are just another version of the trickster archetype? Considering the chaos that their appearance typically creates, it is at least a possibility. Not only that, but the encounters do often lead to a personal transformation of the witness, which, like I just said, is the very nature of a trickster. Right. Native elders tell stories of the coyotes' wild antics to convey lessons, information, and tribal knowledge. But if the black-eyed children are tricksters, what are the lessons that we are to take away from their encounters? At this point, I would say it's difficult to really pinpoint, although we do know that there are domino effects left in their wake that cause damage to those who encounter them. So it's all, you know, it's a possibility. It doesn't sound like a negative. It doesn't sound like, but that doesn't, okay, so all the things that happen doesn't sound like a negative thing. It sounds like, I mean, all the things that happen are negative, but like the, yeah, but the culmination of everything turned out to kind of put him on a better path. Yeah, so maybe, you know. It sounds very trickstery. Yeah, maybe they're not. Well, and it did cause some destruction, but maybe, you know, change is their end goal, and it doesn't necessarily have to be absolute negative turmoil. Maybe it's just about the way that you interpret it, and then the way that you focus your energy on it following that experience could determine what happens. Yeah. The next possibility is a, a djinn which we've heard about before. <laughs> they are supernatural beings originating in the Middle East with a multitude of magical powers. They're considered to be one of the three sentient creations of Allah, the other two being angels and humans. To most Westerners who aren't familiar with this lore or haven't watched Supernatural, they are known as genies. Mentioned in the classic folklore collection One Thousand and One Nights, along with the Quran and other Islamic religious texts, these jinn exist in a world parallel to ours, and like us, they have free will and can be good or evil. According to the religious texts, in the early days of creation, the jinn refused to bow to the authority of Adam as Allah ordered and abused his freedoms. This cast him out of paradise, and they were deemed shaitan, 
or something, or in modern terms, Satan. And like, I was thinking, you know what? That sounds like I would be on his side. You know, don't you dare tell me to bow down to Adam. <laughs> don't you don't dare you bowing down to Adam <laughs> to have your own freaking ideas in the world. Jesus Christ. So they have lifespans that far exceed ours and are able to travel vast distances in the blink of an eye. They can shapeshift into any form they choose, even an inanimate object, and have the ability to take possession of other living beings, controlling both mind and body. They are notorious for affecting the minds of humans, entering dreams to appear as terrifying creatures or even long-lost loved ones, and can whisper in people's ears what they perceive to be prophetic information, but which is actually detrimental to them. Mm. Which, this sounds horrible. Absolutely horrible. I mean, it's like, that's unfortunate that you just, you're like, oh, my grandma visited me in my dream. It's like, no, it's this, this evil trickster, mm. you know? Oh, the evil jinn, not a trickster. So are jinn perhaps simply shape-shifting all over the world, dependent on cultural beliefs and appearing to us as all these paranormal anomaly? According to a Sufi man, Nazim, the jinn are all over the world hiding and waiting for the opportunity to access our world. He says the jinn are always around and they are not confined to the Middle East, despite what some people believe. If you speak about them too much, they will hear you and they will come. So it's best to speak in whispers Oof. if you need to talk about them. Whoops. <laughs> and we're done with that theory now. So another that I find a little more compelling, I think, is thought forms, which are a creation of pure mental energy. Some ancient traditions teach that the mind can be directed and focused to manifest things on a physical level Meaning that with enough focus, our minds can create something that is physically tangible. Which, you know, I think this is possible. Could black-eyed children be a manifestation of the human mind? The concept of thought form was developed extensively by, bu Buddhist, <laughs> by Buddhist monks in Tibet. Tibetan mysticism teaches that through a specific series of meditations, focusing the energy of the mind toward manifestation, a thought form can be created. And they refer to these beings that they're created through thought forms as tulpas. Tulpas begin as an image in the mind, and over time it begins to gain a more physical existence, moving from an image in the mind's eye to a spectral image, and finally becoming a living physical being created by the mind. Once they are in solid form, they can exist on their own by simply feeding off energy provided by the simple belief in them and the emotion that they elicit, which could explain the black-eyed children if they need high states of emotion in order to feed, then they seem to have come up with a process in which they get exactly what they need, especially mm -hmm. considering how powerful the fear is that they create in those that encounter them. They so, should, You know what they should do? They should do a, um, a change of heart like in Monsters, Inc., and they should just try to make people laugh because you can get more energy through laughter and happiness. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I guess that you could probably argue that which, yeah, which is more powerful, good or evil, I guess. I guess it's a fight, a battle of good or evil. <laughs> so, like, remember how yesterday I was saying, you know, your frequency is, oh, my God. I'm from say California. It, man. <laughs> just say it. I'm so clearly from California. How I was telling you yesterday, you know, your your frequency is a lot higher than than other people's frequencies, uh -huh. and so that's uh -huh. why that's why people come and go. 
out of out of in and out of our lives um, yeah because we are on different frequencies and we are attracting people of the same type of frequency and we're mm-hmm. we're we're pushing people away that don't have that aren't on the same frequency so in my opinion you're a higher frequency is a positive mm-hmm. frequency as opposed to a lower okay. negative frequency and I think I think it is more powerful to have it sounds so cliche and childish but I think the good the good does trump the bad every yeah time. eventually hopefully it might be a every long time. battle every time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay so let's keep going and the kind of expanding on the power of the mind One of the most incredible documented examples of group focus happened in the early 90s in Washington, D.C., when a transcendental meditation experiment allegedly caused a dramatic drop in violent crime. There was a dramatic drop in violent crime 100%. Whether this was because of this group or not is up to you, but let's continue to learn about it. So there were 4,000 practitioners of the transcendental meditation technique that gathered from around the world and stayed in hotels and college dorms throughout the metro D.C. area from June 7th to July 30th in whatever year it was, (laughs) the 90s, uh, practicing group meditation around the clock throughout this entire time period. Violent crime, including murders, rapes, and assaults, dropped by 23% during this time period. To lend to its credibility... The experiment was given a rigorous analysis by a review board of independent civic leaders and scientists. Psychologist David Orm Johnson was not surprised at the effects of the experiment. He says, The conventional scientific model has assumed that individual, individual consciousness is completely separate from that of others and that there is no common field linking us together. But the most subtle energy fields are at the basis of everything in the universe. Why then shouldn't we expect that human consciousness also has field characteristics at more fundamental levels? So let's think about that a little bit. Take a second. Let it sink in. Similar experiments have been conducted in other violent locations around the world to similar effect and do demonstrate that the power that focused meditation can create is positive. Dr. David Edwards of the University of Texas at Austin noted that this works and the theory that informs it deserves the most serious consideration by academics and policymakers alike. Obviously, these results indicate it's possible to influence the group consciousness with the right amount of focus. Considering this and the possibilities of manifestation of the mind, like Carl Jung discussed in his theories, it does seem just as possible as any of the other theories that could that black-eyed children could possibly be a manifestation of the group mind. Mm-hmm. This, you know, uh, this could explain the sudden appearance, disappearance of certain entities, as well as why only some people experience these things. Maybe they're more open to the influence of the group mind and what it manifests. And considering the dire state of the world in which we currently reside, perhaps black-eyed children are a manifestation of repressed fear and anger, which makes the reason they are appearing perhaps something inherent in those who experience them. Maybe they desperately want to change their life situation and are experiencing inner stress, or maybe it's the collective mind projecting information from the consciousness of the masses. Okay. <laughs> what is your, what is that? What does that mean? Well, 
that's something that I do. I do believe. Yeah. You remember when we went to Minnesota? Mm-hmm. I had such a good time, like, with, with all of you guys. And, like, there was a part of me that was like, God, I really hope my flight gets delayed. I really, I really hope that I, I can stay here. I wish I could stay here one day. And yeah. I thought that so much. And then, lo and behold, my flight you, yeah. got delayed. You, see, you secreted it. I, I totally secreted it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree because I don't know anything. Okay. So who knows? Um, those are, those are, some, just uh, the, those are just the beliefs. Those are the, that, that's what I was raised. That's how I was raised. Uh-huh. Obviously it feels better to have a positive mindset. Um, and it just makes you feel good to have a positive mindset. But, you know, obviously, if you don't believe that, you don't believe that. And I don't don't come at me, please. Like, yeah, and that's fine. I mean, we're all we all have different beliefs. OK, right. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's also possible. These are just phantoms with black or no eyes that have been seen by many people throughout history. Well, so there's something called the evil eye that dates back to the Sumerians and Babylonians. So <laughs> the evil eye of ancient Sumeria, Babylonia or Babylon and Assyrians of what is no, what was known as Asher uh, or Asher, now modern day Iraq, is said to have been able to, or is said to have brought misery, misfortune, and illness. <clears throat> the evil eye is found in Europe, parts of Africa and Asia and the Americas, uh, between Egyptians, Christians, Jewish people, and Arabs. Romans believe that some tribes had the power to cast the evil eye, which would be supernatural causes of misfortune, such as women being unable to bear children. Um, and so this was a- obviously actually due to the high infant mortality, mortality, mortality. rates mm-hmm. <laughs> in ancient times. But people were unaware of the actual conditions that do cause a woman's infertility. Mm-hmm. In Italy, the Maliocco was associated with traditional Italian witchcraft uh, known as the strega or female witch was believed to be able to cast the evil eye at will. I thought that was pasta. And, huh? I thought that was pasta. <laughs> that too. <laughs> um, the mano cornuta or the horned hand developed Ugh. as a defense. This was this symbol was made by holding up the first finger. Um, and the pinky while the index, while the middle fingers are folded down by the thumb. Oh, you mean like rock on or like the UT? Okay. This gesture was popularized by Ronnie James Dio of Black (sighs) Sabbath, who himself claims he learned the gesture from his grandmother, who was Italian. Okay. Which is funny because that gesture is now believed to be the representation of Satan. Uh-huh. Like people are like, ah, the devil. Bleh. But of course, although it's how it, it, Italy is mostly a Catholic, Catholic or Christian country. Now, mm-hmm. of course, you know, there are roots in paganism. Yeah. So that's going to be something that basically everything is, has roots in paganism. Absolutely. I, know, <laughs> I agree. Um, then there's the Jetatore, 
men said to be born with eyes that damage anything they gaze upon. They're said to have very striking features, uh, and the protection against these guys was the conicello, which is also known as the little horn. The horn is a symbol of good luck, and it looks like a long, gently twisted horn, most likely used as a symbol of fertility. I was like, and- I've known some, I've known some people with little horns. <laughs> A little cornet. <laughs> <laughs> Pope Pius the Ninth, who um, was was the leader of the Catholic Church for thirty one and a half years, from eighteen forty six to eighteen seventy eight, was often referred to as a jetatore, although not considered to be a malicious man. Huh. Another Pope Pius the Twelfth, who was um, in charge of the Catholic Church from 1939 to 1958 was known as the Nazi Pope. Oh. Um, during World War II, uh, he was also considered to be the Jetatore. Again, not malicious, but he turned a blind eye to the plight of the Jewish people. Well, what a piece... Well, so he was then. A piece of shit. I mean, what, what's what's the phrase? If you're a Pope, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> Yes, that's the phrase. <laughs> no, um, if you're if you're doing nothing, you're basically something about like if you're doing if you do nothing about a situation, you're essentially an accomplice to the situation. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and although the evil eye was taken seriously in the Middle East, in parts of Europe like Scotland, the evil eye was just considered quote unquote overlooking, implying that someone was taking too long admiring an object or a person. So, another word for envy. Okay, 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 okay. Another entity that uh, that these creatures are supposed to be uh-huh. is the changeling. The changeling would be the offspring of a troll, elf, or fairy switched for a human. Commonly, in places like Western Europe, Ireland, Scotland, Scandinavia, and Spain is where this belief stems from. Mm-hmm. They arrive at night... These trolls, elves, or fairies arrive at night and switch their babies for humans in order to either breed uh, because of too much, because they can't breed any longer because of too much inbreeding and the Mm -hmm. destruction of their race, which actually has breached the lore or history, whatever you believe, of the greys, or because they simply need human milk to live, to raise as servants, or to take as sacrifices for demonic gods. They're said to cry or scream excessively with huge appetites. So I would have been considered a changeling. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, In Ireland, fire was considered to be the recovery tool to retrieve the human child. This was practiced by throwing the baby into the fireplace. Oh. Yeah. Which would cause the changeling to escape up the chimney and return the human child. Okay, that's a that's a risk. That's a slight yeah. risk. <laughs> There's a slight risk involved with it, but as long as you get your child, it's fine. Maybe. Or you just kill a kid. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I you just kill a kid by throwing the child into the fireplace. Mm. <laughs> Maybe. 50-50. Um, unfortunately, the things that we know today, such as autism, Down syndrome, and cer- cerebral palsy, were believed to have been proof of the president's presence of a changeling yeah 
the other, another entity that, that we know of are the succubus. Mm-hmm. So we know what these are, or you should, if you listen to episode 40 regarding the incubus and the succubus. Quick recap, mm-hmm. succubi are demons who come in the middle of the night to have sex with men and uh, steal their sperm and impregnate. Finally, are spirits of the dreaming. Ash, I wrote in my notes, Ash, you're going to love this. It's dimensional. Oh, yeah. Tribal cultures believe that upper and lower worlds exist and that the shaman of uh, of tribal cultures can move through these planes of existence through their altered states with things like meditation and chanting and, um, and everything. Drugs. Like yeah, I was going to say that, but I was like, no, maybe that's insensitive. I'm glad you said it, though. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. It's true, though, because there are, you know, cultures that use drugs to reach a different plane of thinking existence. I, have I myself dread- have done you this. You have? I have. Oh, my God. That's great. I, I have a friend who did ayahuasca. And oh, yeah? um, what was it called? Ku- Kum- Kumo? Kumo? Kumo or something? I don't know that and one. That one's like a frog poison that you put on. I, and I found, I feel I feel so uneducated. And so, because she's told me yeah. so many times what it is. And I don't remember. But it's like a frog. Okay. Kuma. Kumba. Kuma. Kumba. Kum- Anyways. Okay. So it's like a frog. Kombucha? <laughs> yes. We have some in the fridge. <laughs> it's a frog poison. And like you have to, you okay. have to like detox yourself for like three days before you do it. But she said okay. she said it was the most life changing experience that she's ever had, um, and wow. I'm like I'm like dying to experience it. Um, yeah, but so they essentially believe that the black eyed kids are the spirits of the dream world, and they encounter them in their altered states. Okay. Okay. Well, you know what? Just like kind of expand on that a little bit. I think I've probably talked about it before, but, um, and I've never done DMT, but I have like kind of looked into people who have in their experiences and it's almost crazy across the board how, and it, maybe it's just in their subconscious, but people who have done DMT seem to have had this encounter, they t- seem to encounter these beings that they describe as like higher beings that are slightly terrifying but like it's like every single person almost that i've read has had that exact experience and i can't say that they didn't read about it beforehand you know for sure but it does make me wonder because listen i'm like should i talk about doing drugs so i didn't even do that kind of drug and like ayahuasca or dmt kumba but you know i've had my time in the sun with hallucinogenics Mm. and also i mean i don't know what you would classify i mean what is what is uh mdma isn't that ecstasy well it's no well it's the pure form of ecstasy ecstasy is cut with like heroin or or speed they well there's they do it with different things i because back in my heyday when i was 16 um we would we would try to determine what it was cut with based off of various uh, things that were going on. Mm -hmm. And it was, there was like some days it was this, some days it was this, Mm -hmm. but never do drugs when you're a teenager. 
Let me tell you that right now. Also Never that, do yeah. drugs if you're a teenager. Your little developing brain. But uh, MDMA, I, I have felt... Sorry, everyone that listens and has more faith in me than this. But I have felt like I... I might cut this, but I have felt like I have been able to connect with somebody in a way that I, I was seeing, I know this doesn't sound crazy, but I was like, I was seeing, I was seeing what they were thinking. I know that sounds nuts, Mm -hmm. but it it really doesn't though. I maybe, you know, we only use 10% of our brains at one time. Well, I think that's a myth. Well, I think, I think it's, it's a, I think that's, I think it's just say, stated wrong. Okay. I think because okay, they okay. always say, they always say we only use 10% of our brains entire period. Minute, period. Okay. 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 No, I'm okay. saying at one time. So okay. I think maybe it'll, maybe it does expand that capacity. Yeah. It's because the only way I can really like kind of explain it is what it feels like is that I'm like vibrating at a different I'm vibra- for I'm vibrating period and I'm vibrating at a different level than right. normal. Right. And in 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 that it brought me this like connection of being able to see things or mm-hmm. understand things that were not even being verbalized. Right. So right, right. who the hell knows? I'm sound like a nut. But mm-hmm. but anyway, I mean this is like just all to me kind of who knows who the heck right, knows right the vibrations and the different level of consciousness that could be achieved through drugs or through uh focused meditation, meditation or you know um so so anyway like there's something there with that what what it really is I'm, i can't say for sure but you know it's something so i am still stuck on the fact that the more I research paranormal paranormal phenomena, the more I begin to find sim- similar characteristics to each event that tie them all together in some way that we have yet to be able to explain. The black-eyed children are obviously no different in that sense, as there are way too many aspects of these beings that make appearances in a number of other paranormal encounters. Taking on a certain form that witnesses agree is mostly normal, with a few aspects that are just slightly off, so far in my research, this is common with black-eyed children, men in black, skinwalkers, uh, the man that Gwen Sherman at Skinwalker Ranch saw in the RV on the hill through her window that one night, which, if you haven't listened, you should, and it's also terrifying. The sickly sweet smell of death, sulfur, rotting meat is something that has been tied to black-eyed children, poltergeist activity uh, surrounding the cattle mutilations and the activity at Skinwalker Ranch, Sasquatch sightings, and demons all share that trait of that horrible, sickly sweet, terrible death, rotting meat, etc. smell. The appearing and disappearing very rapidly without seemingly as, without a, in a way a that trace. seems like yeah without a trace without in a way that it doesn't appear that humans can move or transport is something that is seen in all sorts of different phenomena but like the the missing 411 like i talked about earlier black eyed children um again at skin sorry to say at skinwalker ranch there was that happening as well it's just a very in poltergeist, you know, ghosts and stuff like that. They all can seemingly just appear and disappear. Whatever that means, I don't know. Mm-hmm. The other thing that as we were talking about these today, I came back and typed in was 
also, so I wouldn't forget, is the animal's reaction to these beings at, you know, you told the story, Bianca, about the cat that was acting really terrified of the kids that came into those people's house. Mm -hmm. Um, The dogs at Skinwalker Ranch were weirded the fuck out by something the cows were you know this is something that beyond skinwalker ranch is something that happens like with the sasquatch sightings for example i know people are gonna be like are you fucking talking about sasquatch i'm like yep it's happening (laughs) um uh but you know with that with those sightings and with like missing 411 there are a lot of animals that act very strange preceding a disappearance or a sighting and afterwards. So whether that's because they have a heightened sense that we don't have or, and again, are they on a different level of awareness? I don't know, but there is something there where animals tend and with ghosts, you know, actually parent like that kind of activity. People say a lot that their animals seem to notice things either before they do, or their animals are the only ones that seem to have some sort of awareness of whatever this thing is. Mm -hmm. And so these are all characteristics um, that, that make a, a, that make an appearance in all these different paranormal phenomena um as per usual my mind just constantly comes back to the idea that there is some kind of dimensional overlap going on dimensions Uh, our dimension is coming in contact with another dimension and something is coming through whatever it is whether these are all just different beings from another dimension making a presence in ours or if it's one single being that when it crosses into our dimension we interpret however our mind can i don't know the other aspect of this again is the power of the individual mind and beyond that the collective conscious Uh, I don't think that we even have an inkling of an idea about what our minds are truly capable of or what energy we are capable of transmitting and what that can manifest. So in that same vein, you know, what are the dynamics of each individual encounter? Who is experiencing these phenomena and what enabled them to have these encounters when so many others have not? Are they predisposed to believe in things that cannot be proven because of their religious beliefs? Taking things on faith alone is difficult, is a difficult thing to accept. But if you've done it for one thing, i.e. God, does that make it easier for you to do it for another, i.e. ghosts, demons, black-eyed children, etc.? Are their minds working on different wavelengths than the majority, opening them up to experiences that most of us just don't have the connection with those wavelengths to realize even exist? Are these people able to tap into the collective conscious in such a way that they are able to manifest that concentrated energy into something tangible? Whatever is going on here, there are no solid answers, at least at this point. I am fascinated by all the possibilities, and I know that we are most assuredly going to continue to pursue a greater understanding of what is happening here and with the other related phenomena. We would love to hear your thoughts and ideas talking these things out with other folks who have collected data and drawn their own conclusions is only going to help us piece this puzzle together little by little. So please do not hesitate to reach out and discuss with us. We would absolutely love to hear your thoughts and possibly brainstorm with you and other like-minded people in the near future, whether it's through a Google Hangout or an Instagram Live session or whatever we come up with where it would be easy for us to kind of all just have a big old brainstorming session. We'll end this discussion of the Black Eyed Children by saying one thing 
if you hear a knock late at night and look out to see some children with black eyes standing at your door, nope the fuck right out of there. Don't answer the door. And, no, get the hell out. And never let them in. And tell your kids not to let them in the car. (laughs) Oh, okay. So, I think that that concludes our coverage of the Black Eyed Children. That was a lot to unpack. I really went on more tirades. This might have been my most tirade-filled episode yet. Oops. Sorry. (laughs) I mean, at this point, I would have to say, like, if you don't like my tirades, like, why are you listening even? Because it's like... You pretty much have an idea of what what we're going to talk about and how we're going to discuss things and how we're going to pack it and the the stupid bullshit that's going to happen in the middle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean... I mean... Tell me where you, you can get this much information in one in one series, and I'll give you a piece of pie. <laughs> a piece of pie. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, anyway. Okay, so, I mean, this was absolutely so much fun. Like, I just loved this. I mean, I love this kind of stuff. I just loved this. It was great. I, mean, I loved this. I loved the feedback that, the, that we were getting back from people. Like... Mm-hmm. I loved that everybody was a little spooked out. Like, yep. It was, yep. it was great. It is. I mean, it's so, it's fun. It's scary, but it's fun as hell to hear what you, how you thought, what you think about it, what you got, what you took away from what we were saying and how it made you feel, you know? Yeah. So continue to please tell us. We love it. Um, I guess uh, it's just going to help us to, I mean, honestly, the response to this, these episodes have, or this episode so far, the the previous has been so like almost overwhelming. It's been like, obviously people want to hear about this kind of unexplainable shit. Obviously we're not going to stop true crime, you know, we're not going to just stop covering true crime, but it is absolutely one of my favorite topics, the paranormal stuff. And apparently I'm not, I don't think we're alone in in that i don't think i've told, so i don't think i've expressed it to you but the paranormal stuff is what i live like it yeah me my whole life i love the paranormal stuff yeah yeah so. i mean that's just yay I, I was when i was a kid okay when i was but a third grader when we would have book fairs at school my librarian would like pull aside or set aside books that were about like ghosts or aliens or any little supernatural type of topic mm-hmm. to, to give me to read because she Aww. knew I was, I've been obsessed about it since I was a kid because, you know, un, there was unsolved mysteries I used to watch and you know, the, I mean that, I don't know if that's beyond your time, but the uh, theme song would, would send me into a terror as it, as it was <laughs> just the song itself. Uh, and that show was so amazing because they covered weird stuff like this. They covered like, you know, Kurt Cobain's suicide, all yeah. like all sorts of things. So they yeah. just had a million different topics. So anyway, we are so excited by everybody's responses. And I know that we're just going to continue to bring b- badass episode. Okay. I thought I stopped the recorder. Badass episodes to you regarding this kind of stuff. And, you know, and our, our usual, our usual true crime, but I like to sprinkle this stuff in cause it, it's less bleak. Yes. Really? Yeah. This was a mm-hmm. lot more fun than talking mm-hmm. about. Plus, 
piece of shit humans. Yes. Plus, it, it does, to me, like, this kind of stuff really gets my brain working in a different way. You know, like, uh, a, a murder and stuff like that, there's only so much you can think about it you know there's only it's pretty cut like there's pretty it's much pretty facts. cut and dry for sure yeah cut and, for sure it's fact there, and this is what happened in here and obviously you know there's unsolved murders that need attention and we do cover them and we're going to continue to cover them but it's just like this this to me is so it just makes my brain work in just so many ways that i'm you know it just start, i have so many thoughts and like offshoots of this that i'm like you know, giving me ideas about what we can cover in the future. Anyway, it's Mm -hmm. just super fun. So thank you for listening. It's been a long, I know this was a long series. Both episodes are going to be pretty lengthy, but I'm also thinking I would be like, hell yeah, this is great. I have three and a half hours of two episodes to peruse to scare the crap out of myself about black eyed kids or more, Mm -hmm. whatever, however long it's going to be. So thanks for listening. We love you. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. We would love that. I've had we had a Positively. couple we had like a few um five-star reviews, written reviews. And oh. yeah. And we it makes my whole entire day and week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really does. It really is very um I I it's hard to tell you how much it means to us to get positive reviews. Uh also, we have an Instagram Creeper Real Pod. You can check us out. That thing is bumping, man. <laughs> it is. We'll you didn't always, see it, but I'm dancing. <laughs> we'll always respond. Um, if I didn't, if I don't, if I don't, if one of us is unable to respond, it's, I'm sorry. Well, we're. I mean, it's going to be a cold day in hell. But exactly. Really. I know. I you know. know. It totally we're, is. Yeah. You, you've really taken a, charge on that and i try you know and (laughs) so anyway you know if you want to like interact with us that's probably the best place to do it is on instagram obviously you know if you have some huge story that you want to tell us or you have this big conversation that you want to talk to us about creep it real pod at gmail.com is the email you can send it to we've got a facebook just look us up there's a group on facebook creep it real podcast hangout you know what lately we have been getting some merchandise orders out of the blue, and I'm thinking it's coming from probably a past episodes. And then also some people have donated to the PayPal, which took me by surprise, but we appreciate so much. Thank you, everybody that has done that. You guys are awesome and are supporting us without us even asking you to at this point. So hoorah. And um, what else? Oh, you know, our Patreon that you can find by typing in patreon.com slash creep it real pod. I think that's the only way that you can find it is up there. And we are, if you are not already aware, those episodes, like every episode is going to be up early on Patreon for early access to our Patreon subscribers. And just after we're done here today, we're about to record a episode for patreon so we're getting back into the swing of things with patreon and soonly you're going to be getting like some exclusive stuff all for you mm-hmm. over on patreon.com slash creeper pod yeah because i mean we love you guys yeah oh by the way hey i just wanted to thank everybody for the amazing like 
support you guys oh, yeah. have given me as a new host. It's so sweet. Yes. Like, I can't tell you how many people, like, have put me on their story and they're like, oh, welcome, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. like, honestly, that was the sweetest thing ever because I know how yes. awkward it is as a listener yeah. to have a new host and get get used to the new host's personality and everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just wanted to thank everybody. That's it. Yes. We really do love you, everybody. You guys are the greatest. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a, t- a little time of transition and definitely could have gone way worse. So it was it was really nice to see and encouraging to see how everybody responded to old Bianca coming on the show. Obviously, she is a smart and um, dedicated person that is going to really make the show better. So, I mean, you should be welcoming her with open arms uh but <laughs> but and you are so but i'm just saying I, no you should be but it's happening so i, I we're thankful that it's happening and thank mm-hmm. you everybody just for supporting the show i think that it you know it means a lot to me to know that like that everybody loves the show so much that they are happy to support a new host coming in a, a year and a half into the show so yeah. um i know i'm heckin happy about it because it's been a delight so uh and i and i love you so uh well you bianca and also everyone that's listening <laughs> so I love okay uh, so okay well i think that we're going to wrap it up and uh we'll see you guys on the next one Bye. keep it real bye